talk to me, man. It's your boy, Young Hope. We turn the motherfucking noise up. We can get right into the proceedings this evening. The headphones at the start. Bring it down a little bit. Okay. Now we working with it. The boy face up in baseline, baby. Welcome to New York City. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're going to be talking about tonight is Gravesend by William Boyle. A little bit about the author. William Boyle is from Brooklyn, New York, and lives in Oxford, Mississippi. Is that Mississippi? It is. All right. (laughs) I don't know my state abbreviations, apparently. His writing has appeared or is forthcoming in Mississippi Noir from Akashic Books, the L.A. Review of Books, Salon, The Rumpus, Hobart, Needle, a magazine of noir, and other magazines and journals. Gravesend is his first novel, which was published by Broken River Books. Ah, Broken River Books. Filling our inbox with books to review. This is awesome stuff. That's right. All right, here is the synopsis for Gravesend. Ray Boy Calabrese is released from prison 16 years after his actions led to the death of a young man. The victim's brother, Conway Dianocenzio, is a middle-aged Brooklynite wasting away at a local Rite Aid, stuck in the pasts and still howling for Ray Boy's blood. When the chips are down and the gun is drawn, Conway finds that he doesn't have murder in him. Thus begins a spiral of self-loathing and soul-searching into which he is joined by Alessandra, a failed actress caring for her widowed father, and Eugene, Ray Boy's hell-bound nephew. Ray Boy Calabrese is back in Gravesend. Some people worship him, some want him dead, but none more so than the ex-con himself. We'll have to circle back around to that middle-aged part of the... Uh... Yeah, that really that really <laughs> stuck out when I read it. So, But, but as if another Broken River book was not uh, you know, an exciting enough thing already for this podcast, we have our first installment of the person who might replace me on this podcast. So we have joining us this evening, A. Adam Auten. All right. And before we uh, officially welcome him onto the podcast, uh, here's a little bit of a bio we read actually on a previous episode. A. Adam Auten lives in denial where he pretends to be a leaky red fire hydrant when he would rather be writing. He spends his free time freely and timely. He also likes to play author bio Mad Libs. He lives with a long-suffering Borat joke and two homegrown potato children who never get to see him, despite their overabundance of eyes. Um, I'm not sure that anything in that bio is true. I, yeah, yeah I don't know. It doesn't really, I'm the bio guy, too. I don't know how I feel about that. It's short. To, it's short. It is short. It's right. uh, short and entirely fictitious, I believe, so... But I mean, so far, pretty much everything we've seen of him has kind of been that way. So it's, uh, I guess, you know, consistent with what we know of this guy. Very, very true. All right, Triple A, welcome to Booked. That's it. No fanfare. No applause. <laughs> no, do, listen, listen. You have to understand this podcast. Like the recordings that you sent in, uh, there's no gimmicky sound effects or anything. <laughs> Not for lack of me trying. Almost every episode, I'm like, Rob, this would be the perfect time to have this sound effect, and he's like, Yeah, I'll see if I can work it in, and that just never happens. Well, I think what you need to do is cut Rob's pay, obviously. <laughs> you mean I don't know if we could cut it any lower, yeah. <laughs> Where do you go from zero? Negative, <laughs> you pay Livius. Uh, That's right. I, I like this plan. I like this guy. And speaking of Livius, what are you doing here? Aren't I supposed to replace you? 
yeah, you know, here's here's what happened. I gave up all my other podcasting duties. I refused to go on other shows anymore because I was afraid I was breaking Rob's heart. Yeah. And more than a podcast, this is a love affair. <laughs> I've noticed. <Yeah. laughs> Mr. Yeah. Auden, so you yes, previously had a podcast. Would you like to tell us a, a little bit about that? Who didn't have a podcast? Podcasts are the new black these days. Um. We try. We like to think that we're specials, and we have delicate <laughs> egos. So, <laughs> well, no. I mean, obviously, you guys are are the blackest of the black. That's right. That's that right. sounds racist. <laughs> just, just a little. <laughs> yeah. What's um, this podcast that you uh, you want you you abandoned? Oh, it was just some silly, frivolous thing I did years ago. Movies, because there aren't enough movie podcasts in the world, right, Livius? <laughs> that is that is absolutely correct. What the world needs is one more movie <laughs> podcast. I have to, I have to agree with that. That's why you got to spin this off into filmed. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'd on, have to watch Rob. movies then. Yeah, but then Rob could talk about how much he hates The Shining. Well, I mean, I think I did everything I needed to. <laughs> No, I, hit, I need to hear more about how the labyrinth doesn't make any sense. That hedge maze was ridiculous. It's supposed to be ridiculous. I don't know. I think everybody gives Kubrick a little bit more credit than he deserves. Anyway, he's he's baiting me right now. Yeah, you can tell. Hack. <laughs> I'm getting movie baited. Oh. It's better than being masturbated. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad wow, somebody went there. I wasn't going to, but it was just it was the low hanging fruit that was out there that I was hoping someone would mention. It's like he was channeling Sean Ferguson for a second. That's what I'm here for whacking low hanging fruit. <laughs> oh, all right. So, so this book we read a book, yeah. We did read a book. Um, so, Adam, before you came on, we were talking about the uh, the synopsis. So in the synopsis, Conway is mentioned as middle age. Now, I don't know what part of the country you're from, but here in the Midwest, um, middle age is like like 40. Yeah, it's like my age. This guy's 29. No, 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 no. no. I think you're flattering yourself. You're definitely old age. (laughs) Wow. You're like 63, right? That's Saturday. Didn't you just turn 63? Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. It was Lucas's birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday. Um, And I spent part of it reading this book about middle age, 29 year old. (laughs) Conway Dianacenzio. Just what you wanted to be, be made to feel older. Mm-hmm. So um, other than that, I think the synopsis is pretty, pretty succinct. I think it, it pretty much covers all the bases. Um, here's the problem. I didn't read the synopsis before the book. Did you, Rob? I never read the synopsis before I read the book. But I will say that it's interesting that um, Conway's last name kind of has the word innocent in it. Yes, that was, was thinking, totally that was totally a mistake, right? I mean, it was random. There's no way that that was planned. <laughs> Coincidence, yeah. Um, so, as we had mentioned, uh, here's the other thought I had. Just and then I, and then I'm done, and then I'm done tearing apart <laughs> the synopsis. All I kept thinking was, I'm really glad my parents didn't name me like Live Boy. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> go oh. get Live Boy, Live Boy Ned from the from prison. <laughs> Yeah, I, Ray Boy. I mean, is that, I don't know, is that an Italian thing? Like, I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's a nickname. Like, yeah. like, everybody called him that. Like, Their people who didn't like him yeah. called them that. Yeah, it was It was just, it was a little odd. So, I, well, I don't know. Well, well I, just, I, think, I think part of it is, sorry to cut you off, but I think part of it is, um, there's so many names in this book, so many names. And a lot of them are Italian, and a lot of them are crazy, like, 
Giannazzo Randazzo, which is probably my favorite, that I think he wanted to keep, and by he, I mean William Boyle, wanted to keep the reader invested in the character by keeping the name the same. Because you start calling him Ray Boy, and then you say Ray without the boy at the end, then you start to wonder, well, is this a different character now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Certainly, um, certainly a good, uh, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. (laughs) They're coming to get me, guys, right now. Dude, that is serious. There's uh, apparently a like a nine thousand alarm fire going on near my house. <clears throat> um, I think you're onto something with the names, but um, I think even more importantly, Livius just kicked the door open for uh, a nickname that we might be able to give to him. Live boy. Live boy. Hey, live boy. <laughs> live boy. Come get that bucket, live boy. <laughs> um. Names, yeah. I, I, one of my notes was that there's a a billion insanely Italian people in this book. If you're not a main character with a simple name like Conway or Rayboy, your name well, is about. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. By the way, how simple is Conway? I've never heard the name Conway other than as a surname. As a first name, it's, I, mean, I like it, but it's it's definitely out of the ordinary. Yeah, that's true. That is true, but it is. It's like it's it's it does. It's not nineteen characters long with like thirteen vowels. Yeah, it's not a bad Scrabble play like everybody else's surname in the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so William Boyle, hey, <laughs> hope you're listening. We're just tearing apart your names. No, I like I like the names. I like the names. It's just they're definitely out of the ordinary. Yeah, and or it does that extraordinary if you want to be you know generous about it. It does that thing that, um, like, we reviewed S recently, and one of the problems with S was that there was so many weird names of um, the collaborators of the author. That I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but that at a, at a certain point you just ch- you just choose not to try to keep track of who's who because it's too complicated. And I feel like I did that with this book. And by S, you mean House of Leaves, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that book. Uh, all, right. all right, moving on from that book. I don't want to think about that one anymore. Um, yeah, so here's where the story kicks off. Conway has uh, has been waiting for years to get his revenge against Ray Boy, who killed his, um, his well, who didn't kill him, really, I guess. It's like a involuntary manslaughter. He was just beating the poor guy, and the guy, in order to escape, runs away and gets hit by a car. He was, but but he was like consistently tormenting. It was uh, Conway had a younger brother who was gay. Ray Boy was like consistently tor- tormenting this kid, and they they cornered him and were gonna beat him up, and he ran out into traffic to try and get away and got hit by a car. Is he a younger brother? I thought I got the feeling he was an older brother. It's definitely an older brother. Oh really? Yep. Because yeah, there's there's a part there's a section of the book where they talk about how Conway was basically you know influenced by his brother. You know, his, his older brother, you know, turned him on all these things, and it also talked about how young he was when he died. Hmm. So, like, you know, he always talked talk to, you know, he always said to his father that he didn't really remember anything before his brother died because he was too young. But he did. He was just basically hiding his shame. Wow, I think this is the first time on the podcast I've been wrong about something. Yeah, that's got to be the first time. <laughs> uh, I have annotated notes of like all three thousand times you've been wrong, Rob. Do you want to see them? <laughs> Yeah, can you um, fax it's a them? Dossier. It's a dossier. Here we go, 773. 
so basically, and, and this doesn't give anything away because this is like page 30 stuff, but, um, you know, Conway has a plan. He's enlisted uh, kind of the help of this former police who's a friend of his, and he kind of pusses out. He, he, he tries to kill Ray Boy, and he finds he just can't, can't do it, which I thought was, an, again, not having read the synopsis, there were a couple of turns here that I didn't expect. First of all, I fully expected that Conway was going to kill this guy and he was going to be hiding this murder throughout the course of the book. That didn't happen, at least not in the first couple chapters. Uh, um, but the big twist, and I think the thing that, that differentiates this book from, A, what I expect it to be, and B, from a lot of other, I don't know if I call small-town crime kind of books, is Ray Boy's reaction to, to his own potential murder. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the beginning, how great is that first chapter? I mean, it reads like its own short story. It just builds and builds upon itself. And there's all these you know, sort of short bursts that repeat over and over, and there's this foreboding dread that just bears down down on you as you're reading it. And then it just kind of builds, and all of a sudden, just stops right at the end of that first chapter. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and in fact, I think that first chapter was excerpted, excerpted in um, this publication called Volume 1 Brooklyn, that entire first chapter. So it actually did originally read almost like a, its own short story. But I, I love that first chapter. I mean, I did like the rest of the book, but, man, that first chapter really, really got, got me. Hey, Adam, how'd you feel about that first chapter? <laughs> uh, it was all right. You know, whatever. All right. Just, just, <laughs> just checking. It did deliver a lot in a very small amount of space. And there was some, I mean, even in the synopsis, you can see they say some people want him dead, but none more than the ex-con himself. So it's kind of obvious that... What's, what's kind of the twist is, but there's a, a whole lot that happens in that first chapter. Um, and then they introduce a ton more characters. Oh, yeah. And they all <laughs> got crazy names. They've all got crazy names like uh, Alessandra, Stephanie, there's Eugene, his friend Sweat. Um, so there's a couple, there's the main kind of story, which is the Conway versus uh, Rayboy showdown kind of situation, which isn't very much of a showdown because they kind of both want the same thing you find out very early on but then there's also alessandra am i gonna say it like that does that sound about right yeah she's back in town she went to high school or school with all these kind of all the main characters that are of the same age because her uh, mother recently died and um she didn't make it back in time for the funeral but moved back um just to be closer to home and everything and there's a whole story about her trying to figure out, you know, she had moved to L.A. to be an actress, and that didn't go how she planned, so she came home, and she's trying to figure out what her next move is, and it's really weird to be back and to kind of witness what's going on with all these people she knew so long ago. Yeah, I mean, at its core, I don't, you know, you know, I want to say this book is about Ray Boy and about revenge and how sometimes it's not exactly what we want, and... But really, I think it comes down to that kind of almost desolate small town feel. I mean, we get yeah. to see through the course of this story all the, you know, the 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 couple of dads that are that are alone, that are widowed, you know, and then their, you know, inability to kind of live on their own. You've got the crazy like Italian mom in the house coat that's like outside sweeping the street. And you've got Stephanie. Mrs. Dorello. Yeah. Mrs. And, and, and Stephanie, who's, you know, like the bearded lady who's never moved out of mom's house and doesn't know how to put on makeup and has never been kissed you know so you've got these kind of 
small town desolation tropes throughout. So as much as Come it on. is a as much as it's um, you know a crime book, it, it's also kind of that. It's uh, I've never seen it, but I imagine it's like the Jersey Shore, like the dark side of of the Jersey Shore. So like all the dumpy let's people. Fair, let's be fair. Stephanie is not a bearded woman. She's a mustachioed woman. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> but uh, she's more Livius than less Rob. Yes. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> if I like that comparison. Which one of you is the better kisser, though? Uh, more, more stuff I don't want to think about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what we have is kind of a dissection of this this apparently Brooklyn neighborhood. Um, is Gravesend a town? We figure this out. I know the notes, Rob. You put down it's a neighborhood. Is it an actual town? Is anybody does anybody Google Maps this place I, yet? I think it was a re- when it was founded. It was originally a town. Um, like way back, like in the Dutch colonial times, I think it was a town, and it sort of got folded into Brooklyn. But part of Gravesend includes like Coney Island, so that's sort of the area you're talking about in Brooklyn. Oh, there you go. Yep, Gravesend is a neighborhood in the south central section of the New York City borough of Brooklyn, United States. Definitely very, but they kept saying the L. I didn't know they called the the trains in New York that were above ground the L. I thought that was a Chicago specific thing. Oh, you're such a homer. I felt far less special. I'm such a what? You're such a homer. What does that mean? It means everything, every, you think everything's Chicago-centric. Because um, you live there. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, kill the ego, Rob. There's a big, wide world out there for you. I've been to the big, wide world. I still love Chicago best. <laughs> so. the big, wide world. <laughs> Vermont doesn't count as a big, wide world. It's a very <laughs> small world. Oh, wow. Where is it you're from again? So I can uh, send you a thank you note for coming on the podcast. Chicago, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the other part of, that's <laughs> there's Chicago and then the big wide world. So you're in Chicago. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I think I'm with Livius on the whole. The primary story is it's a small town. It's a bunch of small town people who think they have big time problems. Like that's kind of a theme throughout all the characters. Everybody is just completely a sad sack who's dissatisfied with their life, but um, very thematically powerless to, you know, actually try and affect any change. And, you know, when they do eventually kind of lash out and do something different, it doesn't seem to work out very well for them. At least that's how I felt about most of the different characters' stories. But that sort of speaks to the dichotomy that you're alluding to, which is you sort of live in this small, close-knit community, but you're in a bigger city. So you have all the big city and poverty, but you are stuck in, in a very small-minded area. You have no of the, none of the benefits of the big city, which is to say you don't have any of the connections. You're basically just stuck where you are, like, like in a small town, like you guys are saying. It sort of feels like a small town because you don't feel like there's any way to get out. Yeah, that's definitely a theme of, of pretty much even the character who got away didn't really ever get away in a way. Yeah, I'll come back. Eventually, I'll come back to Gravesend. Or Chicago, depending on <laughs> if you're looking at my life. Because <laughs> you always do. Ego, Rob. Ego. Oh, Gravesend. Kind of a weird name for a town or a neighborhood or whatever. Isn't that? Yeah. Is it Gravesend or Gravesend? Oh, maybe it is Gravesend. I always thought, I just assumed it was Gravesend. Like I'm sending you a grave. Like you, you always like you're sending a grave. Exactly. Right. 
Um, but I, it probably I thought, comes from some Dutch word or something that's been, you know, completely uh, bastardized over the years. You mean Americanized, Chicagoized? Same thing, man. <laughs> Same thing. Trying to kill the whole wide world with your small town Chicago dreams, Rob Olson. That's uh, so. I think it's great. Well, there's a lot of death and like you know uh, over overcoming or you know uh, what's the word? I mean, it's Again, a real totally place. by accident. I'm sure. I'm sure William Boyle wasn't like, hey, man. I want to write a book that's a, that's a crime story and it takes place in Brooklyn. Hey, how about in Gravesend? Hmm, <laughs> that seems like a just a coincidental place to place it, don't you think? Yeah, there might be some designs behind that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, just like Dina Senzio. Uh, according to the Wikipedia page for Gravesend, the derivation of the name is unclear. <laughs> oh, thanks, Wikipedia. Well, wait just for to throw that out there. <laughs> thanks for chipping in, Livius. That was yeah, no problem. In other words, let me give you a solution to your problem. There is no solution. In other words, here's 15 seconds of audio that you don't care about. How do you think we get these episodes up to an hour, dude? Yeah. Do you know how many 15 <laughs> seconds of nothing we have to throw in there? You probably do the math. That's right. I'm vamping all over the place. I don't care about Chicago. <laughs> all right. The one, the one character we uh, we didn't mention, at least in any detail, is uh, is Eugene, who is Ray Boy's nephew. A.K.A. Limp, A.K.A. Gimp, A.K.A. Crip, A.K.A. Frankenstein, A.K.A. Fuckleg, A.K.A. Drag, A.K.A. Holy shit, that's a lot of names. Wow, someone's got notes. Yep, he's kind of the 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 tough guy kid that always looked up to his uncle who was in who was in prison. He's almost middle aged at fifteen. Yeah, yeah, he's almost middle aged, fifteen years old. <laughs> he, uh, he's quarter age at fifteen. You know, he's, he's had a rough life because he has this hip problem and, and kids have been picking on him. So he's developed this persona where, you know, he kind of looks up to Ray Boy, who was the tough guy in school and kind of wants to emulate him. And when Ray Boy gets out, um, Eugene kind of wants to partner up with him on a, on a venture, let's say. So it's uh, probably the most interesting character other than Ray Boy in the story, I For think, was sure. Eugene. I completely agree. Man, there's that one chapter... <laughs> That is so funny. Like the first half of the chapter is just about how much he hates his daily routine. He's just like, I hate myself and I hate waking up in the morning. And I hate going to the shower. So funny. Plus, he's got great musical taste. He listens to like Little Ghetto Boy and Guess Who's Back. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd hang with him, you know. <laughs> um, that chapter that Adam mentioned, I have a note um, in my book that says it's, uh, it's like a miniature version of Catcher in the Rye. Just that one, <laughs> that one chapter. Boo! Wow, I actually didn't like that chapter at all. It was. What? Uh, here's the thing, like, it just was. It was. It was very repetitious, and I understood what he was going that's for. The point. Yeah, I know that's the point, but I got the point really early on. But it's funny. It's so, supposed to be funny. That's no, what I don't think it was supposed to be funny. Yeah, it was. Come on, I was laughing my ass off. I, I disagree with you. <laughs> What, you um, watched me and I wasn't laughing my ass off? <laughs> Look, no ass. Turn on the video. No ass. It's off. It was uh, It was kind of annoying. <laughs> you just didn't like it because there wasn't enough talk about Chicago. Um, well, now that you mention it, there was no talk of Chicago, which was annoying, but I, I, I don't dig... In this in in this instance, I'm not saying that I never enjoy that like a, a like getting beat over the head with repetition, but like, I mean, you already knew it was established before this point that he was an angry child, 
we didn't need seven consecutive pages of like every single minute detail of his life that he hates. I thought it was a little I bit wanted overkill. Fourteen consecutive pages. I wanted more. Well, you just can't relate because you lived a charmed life, Rob Olson. <laughs> Sitting up there in your ivory tower in Chicago. Talk to Livius. I hate practically everything. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I was gonna say. I, I related to him because that's how I feel on most days. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Before, before I've left the house, I've hated on like four thousand things. Yes. Already, so. Wow. So is that the is that the problem? I just don't relate with the character. Is that was supposed to make him more like? Was it supposed to make him likable, relatable, or? maybe to to bitter people at it, least? I think it was just comedy. I just think it was funny. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I and it was it was. I think. I mean, and and like it or not, I think that Boyle obviously did it on purpose because there's no other there's no other point in the book that something is driven home as much, you know, using repetition like that so i almost think it maybe is a little bit of an aside comedic or not you know kind of steps out of the story to give you to deliver that like i said the the very short the cliff's notes version of catcher in the rye <laughs> but then I, i'm now i'm wondering why didn't it happen with any of the other characters was was eugene really kind of the star of the show after all and we're was Ray Boy versus Conway kind of like the stage setting and Eugene's story was like the real big part of the book? No, I think it was more, it's like an Altman movie. You know, in Altman's movies, he, he tended to have a lot of intersecting characters who all pretty much had uh, equal importance. I think it's the same thing, same thing here. You know, like you guys are talking about forward, there's the whole small town mentality. You know, think of Winesburg, Ohio, or, or books like that, or Knock 'em Stiff, where you have this whole collection of, of weird characters, and none of them is really the main star. You know, but this book, that's part of the, the charm of this book, too, is when you start out, you think, you know, it's going to be, you know, just Conway versus Rayboy, and then and boom, every chapter for the first three or four chapters, you're introducing new main characters. And, and as they intersect and go through their own stories, you realize that, no, it's not about any one character. It's about Gravesend. Sure. Can I tell you, I had to look up Altman movies uh, to see who this person was. I have scrolled through the entire list of movies. I've seen one, Popeye. Oh, my God. That's the of only Altman, Altman movies. Yep. You see Popeye. Popeye. Popeye was good. I like Popeye. <laughs> you just like olive oil. That's all. I know you. I see you. I was like I eight years old with a skinny girl on. fetish. I get it. Genius. Genius. I am so lost right now. You guys need to watch more movies. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm going to start a spinoff podcast called Films. I'm going to force you guys to watch fucking movies every day. Do you know how much time it takes to do like what we do? And you know we have like regular jobs, right? We're not like raking in some crazy podcast money. Forget this literature business. You need to go to movies. You need to go to Hollywood. Become a star. Rob, he might have a point. You know, we wouldn't have to throw in ninety minutes of our time every week versus I don't know four, five, seven, eight, ten hours, depending on what book we're reading. I don't know, man. Or you could just stick with the synopses. Uh, Pretend you like you've read the book. You guys should do that someday. I want you guys to do that. I want you guys just to read a synopsis of a book, not a new one because you don't, not a new one, not an indie one because you don't want to piss anybody off or you know, short give everyone short shrift. But I think you should take an old book, just read the synopsis, and then just bullshit your way through an entire episode. I think there's some books I wish we had done that with, like One Q Eighty Four comes to mind. Uh, yeah, no kidding. That Haruki Murakami piece of shit. Um, all right, let's get let's get back on the. Uh, to this one. Anything else you guys want to say about the story, the writing, before we kind of move on to quotes and, and wrap-ups? 
Um, well, uh, I, I really like the dialogue is great. You can tell that, that Mr. Boyle definitely lived in Brooklyn because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know he's got the patois down the regional patois of of, of speech. Um, for example, like uh, a lot of sentences will will end in interrogative words. So they'll say things something like, "You're doing what? You're doing that? Why?" Which is definitely feels like a real Brooklyn thing. So I really like that. The dialogue I think is very very strong in this book. Mm-hmm. People actually talk like that. That's not just a TV thing. I know stuck in Chicago, you wouldn't know, but whole wide world. I'm just saying, whole wide world. <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I've, I'm happy with what we've yeah with what we've talked about so far. I do actually have a couple quotes though this time. All right, AAA, as the guest of the show, you get to go with the uh, the first quote. All right, so we were speaking of the the chapter that Rob hates, the uh, Eugene's hating joint. And I really love, this is one of the quotes from there that I thought was hilarious. <clears throat> he hated his body. He hated his body covered in soap. He hated getting out of the shower, stepping on the rose-colored mat, and drying off over the toilet. He hated the way the towels felt. Yeah. See, Rob, what's not to like? Uh, I, I, he hated the way the towels felt, Rob. Haven't you ever hated the way a towel is felt? I loved every what towel I've ever touched. Oh, my God, he lived a charmed towel life. <laughs> Rob and I worked in a business where we learned about towels, a sure, lot yeah. about towels. We never have to use a shitty towel. We know the secrets. Is this time, are you guys talking about your porno past again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something like that. Really, all of it is subtext. <laughs> I'm going to go with one that um, that kind of, I think, jives a little bit with what Adam was saying. And this is um, kind of a description of, of Ray Boy. He was one of those guys that just exuded don't fuck with me charm. The world bowed down to him. Mothers cooked for him. Girls spread their legs. His car never broke down. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's a great flashback to, to, you know, the way that Ray Boy used to be. Mm -hmm. He's sort of that cool guy, the coxman that every every man hated and every girl wanted to be with. Do you know who I think this is? I don't know if this is more revealing about me or not, but the the person I had in mind, or the I guess character I had in mind for this uh, Rob Ray, Olson. Uh, no, <laughs> and for anybody who watched the movie Clerks, I kept thinking of Rick Darius. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've you seen have it. seen a movie. I used to yeah. fuck it. <laughs> anyway, Rob, throw out a quote there, buddy. All right, uh, this is. Alessandra has come back to town, and um, she's ta- she, she's taking a shower. Now, this isn't going to be sexy like you might think. Um, but I guess in her shower, she remembers it as being very claustrophobic. And, um, and she's kind of thinking about how the shower is kind of covered on all sides with these shower liners. And this is the quote. The darkening of the stall was, and always had been, the project of a man who had failed too often in life. And wouldn't be defeated by mildew to boot. Slower. Slower. Like Do it slower. I don't know what That was mighty sexy to me. I love mildew talk. <laughs> There's nothing like mold and grout and all that stuff to, to get you going? I mean, come on. I- what do you think I do with my towels? That's why I have bad towels. All I do is just wipe up grout all day and then rub it on my face. Yeah. Well, the reason I like the quote is because it's kind of um, a, a real live example of how everybody is so defeated in this place. And 
like this is the example of like the best victory that this guy can hope for is not getting mildew and stuff <laughs> on his on his bathtub or whatever. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Is it my turn? It is. My time. Um let's talk a little more comedy. Um so so this is this is Eugene again and he's talk, talking about uh basically he's met his his uncle his uncle's finally come home he's pretty much met him for the first time he's met him before but this is the first time he's really really actually seen him in the flesh out of prison and so he's kind of flashing back to his memories and what he knows about his about his uncle quote once eugene had found pictures in his mother's closet of uncle ray boy looking like a badass and a wife beater with girls and leather jackets on his arms hair slicked back smoking unfiltered marlboro reds the pictures came from a time that didn't even seem real the early 90s Again, you know, that's all about uh, all about uh, how these guys are middle aged. Yeah. I I actually had to Google unfiltered Marlboros and see if that was actually a thing because I'd never seen unfiltered Marlboros, and apparently they did exist. They don't any longer, or I'd be smoking one right now. <laughs> As we because that's how goddamn delicious they sounded. What about unfiltered Camels or unfiltered Paul Malls or Lucky Strikes? No, 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 no. It's gotta Marlboro. be Marlboro. I'm a Marlboro man, dude. Brand have you never loyalty. seen me with my with my cowboy hat? No, I'm a bit of a listener. I, I know. I know. when you can't have Fred Venturini, you kept smoking that Marlboro Light. I remember that. Yes. Well, yeah, it's Marlboro Lights, dude. They you don't gain any weight from smoking those because they're diet <laughs> zero cal. All right, so back to uh, to quotes. I guess I did like Eugene better than anybody else, or at least his parts that were written for him. My quote is from uh, from a portion kind of later in the book where Eugene and Sweat leave their their small town, and they're kind of well, they're probably as he even says they're probably in the suburbs, but to them it's like the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. And throughout the course of this entire chapter, um, they're they're worried about things like bears and deer and ticks. So here's here's a paragraph from there. Eugene saw signs for Bear Mountain. He pictured a mountain crawling with bears, bears rising up and growling, bears killing fish, bears sniffing out campers, deer everywhere and snakes probably, and now bears. He couldn't imagine being lost in the woods here. He'd have to climb trees and jump from branch to branch to escape the bears and snakes. He was going to ask Sweat about bears if they jumped out in the road too, if he'd ever eaten bear meat, but he stopped himself. He didn't want to give a fuck about bears. <laughs> Yeah, he hates deer and ticks too. He's not he's not a fan of the wilderness, that kid. Dude, where he's like, come on, not everybody hits a deer. And he's like, Oh no, no, it happens all the time. <laughs> it's awesome. Someone's not hitting a deer right now. Someone hits a deer. Someone's hitting a deer somewhere. Yep. That was pretty good. That was a, that was a good conversation. Ticks are terrible. Have you guys ever I, had a tick? No. Have you? Let Twice me in Vermont. Twice in Vermont, in Vermont yeah. See, this is why you don't leave Chicago. The whole wide world is filled with ticks. It is. It really is. It was, it was terrible, horrifying. In, in keeping, in keeping with the uh, with two things: the the smoking conversation we just had about the Marlboro Red unfiltered, and then my uh, my being able to to cop anybody on bad smoking um, stuff. I'm gonna read this other one. She pretended she was smoking. She closed her eyes and drew a breath in and put her fingers up to her mouth and imagined that she was lipping an American spirit. And then she exhaled. The fact that her index and middle fingers smelled like tobacco from smoking her father's hand roll cigs was almost enough to fool her into thinking it was the real thing. Um, can I tell you that no smoker has ever, ever done that in the history of smoking? <laughs> so. Pretended to 
smoke a cigarette. I'm I'm smoke copying this guy. So William Boyle wasted all his research on on New York neighborhoods and didn't do any research about smokers. He doesn't know one person that smokes. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) None of his proofers were like, really? (laughs) Come on, bro, start smoking. Yeah, no kidding. All the cool kids are doing it. Wow. Yeah, that's what they're doing. I have another quote. Oh, please do, Rob. So, <clears throat> I might remove characters' names because this is kind of later in the book, and I don't know if it's going to spoil anything. Um, but uh, there's a part where one female character has sex with a male character, and um, and this is uh, she has like a, an overreaction about like she she blames herself for basically being a terrible person because she's very religious and she thinks that everything that goes bad after that point is because she had sex with this one dude, uh, more or less. And um, well, you just spoiled that, didn't you? <laughs> listen, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go on. I'm sorry. I edit this podcast. <laughs> just edit me out completely. That's right. There's going to be like, I'm going to have Livius and I just be like, what? Like once each. And then I'm just going to keep repeating that every time you <laughs> would have said something. Um, so anyway, here's the quote. Uh, she honestly believed Alessandra thought that she'd somehow driven him to this. That she was such a bad lay that he had to go burn his house down afterwards. Never had a girl burn your house down, Rob. Why do you think he had to move back from Vermont? (laughs) (laughs) It was one bad lay and I just torched the place. This is why you shouldn't date Lisa Left Eye Lopez. (laughs) Oh, wow. She's dead, isn't she? That's just. Yeah, before she was dead, she was a pyromaniac, baby. Too soon, buddy. Too soon, come on. Not too soon, dude. Yeah, she's been dead for a while. Yeah, but I never get a chance to say too soon, so. <laughs> well, here, say it like three times. Too soon, too soon, too soon. Go for it. Uh, no, anybody else got quotes? <laughs> oh, I got, a bun- I got a bunch. Oh, go at it, AAA. All you, man. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, uh, this one's about Conway when he was in school with Alessandra, and he kind of had a, had a big crush on her. And I whittled this quote down because if I went on any longer, it would probably get real pervy up in here. So we'll start with this, this little part here. The way she wore her uniform, the checkered plaid skirt with tights underneath, the white blouse and red tie, neck button never buttoned, soft cardigans in the winter with darker and thicker tights, kept Conway up nights in grade school. You know, and I think I think uh, all of us have definitely had those unattainable angels that uh, for which we always pined, especially especially back in those days. I really uh, that part really resonated with me, so I had to jerk off afterwards. Thanks for classing up this podcast. <laughs> I was like, we needed some serious awkward silence there. <laughs> and, and in editing, I guarantee you that silence is going to be like 40 seconds. Rob's just going <laughs> to... You're just going to hear this sound. In between. <sighs> Class. It's like, he's like a combination of Sean Ferguson with the voice of like Josh Deach almost. It's you weird. know, if you say Sean Ferguson one more time in this podcast, you have to pay him, right? Well, you did. Thanks. This <laughs> <laughs> is coming out I of your pocket. Baby. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, I'm only going to throw out one more quote. Um, I just really like the way this was worded. Early on, Conway was aware how people will charge you for anything and wring money like blood from the wet cloth of suffering. Oof, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. As optimistic as the book gets. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, speaking of which, I think this 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 quote here from Conway pretty much 
sums up the uh, emotional nature of the entire book when he says, quote, everything some kind of sad. Yeah, pretty much, man. In this book, everything is some kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that we're going to cover that in our wrap-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm done with quotes, uh, so I'm ready to move on, but I don't want to uh, steamroll anybody. Well, I'm not ready to move on. I want to stay right here in Quote Town, baby. I got one more, and this is... Uh... Is that a neighborhood of New York? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's right next to Great Graceland. You wouldn't know because you live in Chicago. Chicago's a whole... I have been to the like East world. Village, so... Now you're just making places up. Okay. So here, this is, this is, this is uh, from Conway's perspective. And this pretty much, speaking of Graveson, you know, really encapsulates that sort of... Um, you know, the thing I like about cities is at night they're so romantic because of all the, the lights burning bright, but in the cold light of day, they're always so just gross and gray and disgusting. So this kind of, this kind of speaks to that. Walking away from Alessandra's house, Conway looked down at the sidewalk, crack lumpy. Weed stitched, candy wrappers like ripped flowers dotting dirt squares where the city had put in shitty little trees, fire hydrants that resembled squat patrolmen, telephone poles with the copper wire picked clean, probably by some kid who sold it over at one stop salvage. Yeah, I can tell you, William Boyle does not work for the Department of like Brooklyn Tourism uh, <laughs> yeah. or any kind of real estate agents or, or anything in the area. I don't know what he does for a day job, but he definitely does not paint that neighborhood in the kind of light that anybody wants to live in it. Absolutely not. The the great thing about that is, I think um, I was looking on his web, on his Facebook page, and he had said something about the book coming out, and one of the quotes or one of the quotes. God, where's my mind? One of the comments. Um, from someone who knew him, was like, "Oh, my girlfriend just moved there, so you know, blah blah blah." So now I'm imagining. I don't, lives, I don't even think he lives there anymore. I think he got the fuck out too. He lives, I think, in Oxford or something now. Yeah, Mississippi. Mississippi, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get the far fuck away from fucking Brooklyn as I can. Yeah, but where's Oxford, Mississippi, anyway? In Mississippi. Well. I've been to Mississippi. I ate in an IHOP in Mississippi. That's what everybody goes to Mississippi for. Yeah. Yeah. IHOP or Waffle House, right? Yeah. That time, it was before the podcast, so it was at an IHOP. The back of the book anthology, it says Waffle. Never mind. All right. uh, Rob. Yeah. Would you like to, to do a wrap-up? Yeah, I'll start it off. So, I didn't know anything really going into this book about what the book was going to be or... And I don't believe I'd read anything by William Boyle before, so I was going in kind of blind. Um, like Adam pointed out, the first chapter was really packed with a bunch of stuff. So going into it, I was thinking, all right, this is going to be the pace of the book. And it didn't really keep that up too much. It really fell into a theme of just being a, a snapshot of different mundane lives in this small town, which was part of a big city. Um which in, in a way failed to keep my interest in the story a lot. Um, there were a couple of twists that I wasn't expecting. One of the twists was early on when we found out that Ray Boy was kind of looking to Conway to get his revenge as a way of paying for his crime. Uh, so I didn't see that coming, but it is very early on, so it's nothing that's spoilery. There's another kind of bigger twist that I didn't see coming, but otherwise... Um, I don't know. I didn't really feel very 
I wasn't excited going through the story. I, I enjoyed it enough, but it was, you know, just kind of reading about a bunch of people that were just kind of always sad and glum. And um, for me, it was just a little difficult to stay, like, interested, not interested, but, you know, I didn't, like, anticipate. I wasn't, like, anxious to see what was going to happen. So so that was kind of, uh, I don't know, just um, it wasn't... It wasn't a pace I was I was I was hoping for, more or less. Um, interesting story, and there was definitely parts that were really cool and and, and very thoughtful uh, looks at life and how we handle our lot in life. It was very much an you know analysis of the human condition in many ways. Um, but overall, uh, I was just kind of okay about it. So. I'm not saying it's a bad book. There's definitely things I enjoyed about it, and there was some stuff that I wasn't expecting that I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I'm kind of landing about in the middle, so I'm going to go three stars with this one. Which means I liked it as far as the Goodreads uh, um, scale goes. It sucks when we have to qualify that. You throw it yeah, out there and you're I, like, well, just a reminder. Well, part of it is your fault. You guys, you guys, man, you guys give a lot of books some pretty high star ratings. We're fairly easy to please, I think, and the fact that we can pick what we review is is yeah, probably. I was talking to somebody about this. You know, I, I see a book that I'm excited to read, and I'm like, "We're totally going to review this." Rob, Rob, let's review this. You know, so I mean, we're already going in, kind of knowing what we're getting ourselves into. Um, the adverse can be said too. We did review a James Patterson book, and we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into there too. So, yeah. Yeah. I just mean in your in your rating system in general, like on Goodreads, like I think I have maybe like four or five books rated five stars. Everything else is, I mean, my average is like two point nine seven or something. I give out a lot of three stars. Spoiler alert. Well, well, here you go. Here's here's your chance to throw out another another three star review. <laughs> All right. So as we were saying before, Gravesend is really about its particular location. You know, it's given this sort of small town sensibility, despite being in this bigger city. Um, and it's a neighborhood of closely knit characters who would be vi- vibrant, except that they're stuck in this oppressive gray concrete reality, and it's constantly weighing them down. But William Boyle's descriptions of Gravesend are so detailed that they almost make me want to visit, though I probably wouldn't stay long because I'd probably end up dead. <laughs> so in summation, one, two, whoo, three, three stars. I, this is a solid goddamn book. I really enjoyed it. And if I were on your rating scale, I'd probably give it a five. But because I actually have sense in my head, I'm giving it a three. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> more, more awkward silence. So out of five stars, how would you rate our general rating that we give to books? <laughs> how would I rate your rating scale? <laughs> um, I'd probably give it 2.7953727 stars. It's not bad. It's kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's kind of, kind of okay. It's better than average. I'll take it. So you're saying that there's there's a lack of integrity to our our, our rating? I'm I'm concerned now that people aren't going to take us seriously. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, no. Honestly, it's not just you guys. It's everybody. Like, I mean, if you go into like you know, go away from books. Even if you go into like movies and video games, somehow a seven is an average. That's ridiculous. Use the entire scale. That's what it's there for. Um, I'm going to point you to books like uh, the Stud Book. <laughs> No, I know. There are books you guys don't like, but I'm just saying, like, you know, there's there's a lot of fours and fives, and I'm saying, like, hey, you know, the world's full of two and three stars. You know, it's two and three star books out there. Okay, that's cool. 
Just in my personal well, rating scale. Well, Gravesend was going to get a five-star review from me, but after that... <laughs> uh, now it's going to get a seven-star review, just to spite yeah, me. William Here's... Boyle, direct all of your uh, your uh, anger at, at our man AAA over here. Um, you know, I'm you can direct it at S-G-A-N-P-F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, at Sean P. Ferguson. That's my Twitter handle. <laughs> I just had to. Sorry, sorry I had to PayPal Sean another dollar fifty. <laughs> <sighs> um, I uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what these two uh, what these two guys said. Um, yeah, definitely. I was surprised in how little this felt like a crime book, and and how much more it felt like a study in a geographic location, which isn't bad because we've read things like that before. And I think Adam mentioned um, uh, Donald Ray Pollock. Um, who's done this, Frank Bill, who's done this. Uh, and it can be done well. A story about a place can be um, can be just as interesting as a story about a person or a circumstance, I think. Uh, I was a little surprised. I will say that um, I was very happy to see the whole Ray Boy thing, you know, kind of wanting to be be killed um, as a great thing and, and a genius move because what I was expecting from this book was, great, we're going to kill Ray Boy, and it's going to be 220 pages of, of hide the body and stay away from the police, and we definitely didn't get that. Um, as far as the location, I don't know anything about it, and, and, and here's here's my fear, that, that it wasn't embellished and that that sad, sad place actually exists uh, somewhere in Brooklyn. Um, a lot of thinking about the TV show Justified before it came back on. I've been to the hollers of Kentucky, and people watch Justified and go, yeah, it's really not like that. No, it's really exactly we like that. So I'm imagining that this is a very realistic reflection on a neighborhood that, that Mr. Boyle might uh, might be from or at least familiar with. Um, the prose is really good. I mean, I liked his writing. Uh, I'm a little bit with Rob. The story uh, was, even though it was a directional story, we were heading towards something and feel really excited about getting there. Um, and, and that's part of, um, I think, in most cases of, of a really solid book is that strong desire to get to the end. Um, I was pretty happy on the ride. I just wasn't really looking forward to where it went, if that makes sense. So I'm going to echo what these guys said. Um, at three stars, it's a solid book. Um, I think it's a great book if you want that kind of location-based storytelling. I just don't know that that's necessarily for me. But. Well, yeah, and to piggyback on what you're saying about, about it being a crime book, it definitely feels less genre and more literary. And, I, and I, going into it, like you, I thought it was just going to be like a crime, like a, and it's not. It definitely has aspirations that are, are sort of separate from that. Yeah, for sure. It's a crime that we didn't rate it higher. That's what I say. Well, I couldn't after being called out about it. I like too many books. There's no book that's going to... like books. Yeah. <laughs> We're not allowed to... I just want to reiterate, I, I really like this book. Three stars is a good rating for me. Not just a, eh, rating from you guys. I mean, it's a good <laughs> rating. I feel so, I feel so drained. For to drain you. See, after me, all the other guests are going to be great. They're like, well, at least they're not they're not calling them calling our rating scale out. I know. We haven't been challenged this much since like the last time that a certain um, <laughs> person who shall person... not be named. <laughs> we can't afford to name anymore in this episode. <laughs> all um, right. So moving on to some other subject matters, Mr. Otten, have you voted in the Donnie book yet? I did, and I and I will mention to you. I tried to vote you off the show, but it wouldn't let me. Yeah, that was sorry, Rob. Did, did you catch that tweet? Uh, wait, which tweet? 
he, he tweeted that he tried to, there was no category to vote me off the show. He said, if only it was that easy for me to. to that was to by design. That. Yeah. If it was only that easy for me to get away from this. But Donnie Book is going strong. Um, we're in the triple digits for votes. Um, but some really, really tight contention in some areas. And some of it's just kind of a blow away, like a blowout. And we kind of knew that was going to happen. There are a couple categories. I don't want to reveal any of them. Right. There are a couple of categories where it's uh, every time I check, there's like a new lead or it's like, a, you know, just just a dead heat. And it's kind of interesting to see where this is going to go. There's a few surprises, too, I will say so far. That's definitely true. And it, it made me I've been, <laughs> instead of just promoting it kind of um, to people who I want to vote, I've been promoting it to the people who are, you know, votable, like someone you can vote on. To kind of encourage them, hey, if you want to have a chance in this, you might want to like bring out the people because there's a lot of people voting, and it seems like there's some serious contenders in certain categories that are that are getting us a, a good lead. That um, if anybody else wants to have a chance, they need to like really, you know, break out their their posse. Speaking of having a chance, can I just voice my disappointment that I'm not eligible for Donnie booked? Hey, man, this was this was by design, man. Oh, you bastards! You know, and I was gonna promise to, as a campaign promise that people voted for me. I was gonna, I was gonna promise a net in every pot and an Olson in every garage. But no, no, I'm, I'm excluded. <laughs> um, well, the problem. Would you want to be? I mean, I could have put your name in there. No, and, no, no, that's fine. You have your little, your little thing. That's fine. I don't need to be part of it. That's okay. Um, and then no one would have known, so they wouldn't have voted on you anyway. But like. This, you, you, hey, hey, you're, you're. I don't think so. I think you're, you're underestimating my legion of followers. Okay, uh, <laughs> all fifty-eight of them on Twitter, huh? Top that, fifty-eight followers, buddy. I've got like one hundred ninety-three, I think, for my personal. Well, maybe I'll just shut my big fat um, mouth then. <laughs> that's my personal one. I think the booked <laughs> one is like fifteen hundred, right? Something like that. Yeah. Right, so, as much attention as we pay to Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, the the really the focus here is that like there's a lot of people voting. There's a lot of like, and and actually I'm I'm eligible, Adam. Ha ha ha. I'm. Gonna, oh. <laughs> I've been getting some votes. I think I, I think it's okay to say that, right? Rob has been getting some votes. All Chicago people, I'm sure. Um, I don't know who it is. I don't know if my mom voted yet, but um. Yeah, I was gonna say, what other states do you have relatives in? Yeah, yeah, my Rob. mom. <laughs> <laughs> All your neighbors in Boys Town? Because you right. are King of Boys Town. Uh, see, there's that voice. There it is. And we can put it away. So anyway, um, Donnie <laughs> Books goes through... Donnie Books goes through, what, the 21st? No, it can't be that far off. Yes, the 21st. Yeah, the 21st. From seventh. So we got about 11 days left. Um, I will continue to remind people to vote. We will on Twitter and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um... I won't. And yeah, on the 21st, we will immediately that morning announce who the winners are and put up... Oh, we're not going to do it live on an episode? Oh, do you want to do it that way? I'd like to. We'll figure it out. We'll work out out the deets. Anyway, so yeah, soon thereafter we will do round two, which is going to be the winners of all the different uh, uh, categories going up against each other and it's probably going to be like four david james keaton's and a couple other people mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like the only person that was in like almost every category yeah he's actually crying foul that he wasn't in there was one <laughs> yeah, category, was category he wasn't in yeah 
Oh, Mr. Keaton. Maybe next year. Yeah. Rob, is this going to be an annual thing? I think that the turnout so far has been good enough. I think this could be an annual thing. I think it's going to be an annual thing. We, we expected like 10 people to vote. Like I think on the other episode we said that there was going to be... <laughs> we were talking about how weighted our vote was going to be, and mm-hmm. if no one voted, our vote was going to be 100%. Yep. Um, no, our vote is... The percentage of our vote is getting smaller and smaller. Yes. Adam, you'll be eligible next year then, because we'll have to pull December's from this year. Yeah. Yeah, unless unless everyone dies before then. Where are you? Are you from Gravesend with this like negative Nancy kind of talk? Come on, man! This my time in Gravesend. What do you expect? Major <laughs> hey, Mayans still exist. Yep. Maybe somebody <laughs> should Google it. Are there Mayans? Speaking of Olivia. Speaking of Livius and his his genius ideas and thoughts, we actually have a Liv's latest uh, an update on Liv's latest business venture. So yeah, I actually oddly enough found this out on my own. Rob, that Livazon.com is available, <laughs> and I almost bought it. Oh, oh, I, I own not. It had some kind of, some kind of um, you know whatever cheap website deal or whatever for you know, like green monday or whatever it was i almost bought it so i did find out that because that's how i thought you spelled it initially i was like it is available what's he talking about but more importantly a day or two after the last episode um for my birthday i received a helicopter i've now spent <laughs> four days trying to tie little small things to this helicopter first of all so far i can get it up off the ground and it basically careens into a wall so i don't know how long this helicopter is going to last but uh, I've been tying very, very small packages like empty candy wrappers and, and, and stuff to, to like the, the bottom of it and trying to practice for my delivery service. So as soon as it warms up out, <laughs> I may be outside your door bringing you, you know, flying something to you. Empty never know. candy. <laughs> I, I've been waiting months for these empty candy wrappers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the delivery time is going to be a little slower than what Amazon's promising, but uh, far more entertaining. You if, should if start I'm the one. You should start a Kickstarter. <gasps> Kickstarter. Dude, people have started Kickstarters for a lot worse stuff than that. Yeah, a lot stupider things for sure. Like Broken River Books? I, I mean, I mean, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Hey, I contributed. I love Osborne. <laughs> I love Brave Send. There it is. All three stars uh, of love. Can I, uh, can I also say that um, earlier tonight we found out that somebody is planning on giving book anthologies as Christmas gifts and that this is a fucking genius idea yeah um, someone not not just one they're giving they, they're getting like six copies of it and giving it out like I'd like to say this was not a contributor we're not going to disclose the person's name because we don't want to ruin their Christmas fun for, for people who are getting copies of the anthology from this person but yeah that's awesome so if you need an idea for somebody I was also thinking I have a secret Santa thing at work and I'm having trouble figuring out what to give this person. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give this person a book anthology because it seems kind of self-serving. But at any rate, um, you should. Secret Santa gift, book anthology would be perfect for that. That's right. And while you're giving them the copy, give them a digital copy too. Because if you don't give a digital copy, you don't get the Rob Olson story. You don't get the Pale Vita story. I that's mean, a, come on. That's, like a, that's a very good point. My story apparently is way better than I thought it was because people are enjoying it and telling me oh, so. It's great. I know you don't watch movies. Have you ever seen The Machinist, though? Yes. That reminds me of The Machinist. It's I've that never. good. Really? Oh, you should watch The Machinist. Yeah, you'll like it. 
If you like your story, you like the machine. <laughs> Prop, like did you like your story? Oh, it's all right. <laughs> You've never really talked about. If I had to give it a rating, <laughs> I um, Three I really stars, like right? the machinist, and I can kind of see that it didn't occur to me. But now that you say that, I guess I can kind of see the the similarities there. Not similarities, you know what I mean? But where would remind you of that? Yeah, Livius, what do you? Th- you've read the uh, the in progress follow up to that story. Is it also in the? Or have you read the in progress follow up? I have story? not. Oh my god, I have not. Yeah. Never mind then. I won't ask that question. I don't, I don't believe you've made it available for me to read. Oh, man. I've been handing it out to everybody. Yeah, not everybody. <laughs> Half the <laughs> boys town. I'm looking out my window right now. They're reading it on their Kindles. They're running around with copies of your story. Um, <laughs> That's oh, why the one fire trucks thing. are called in. That story is too hot to handle, baby. That's right. That's that's why the fire. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> uh, um, and for a future episode, soon, I think, right? Rob, you want to explain how this is going to go over? Because I have no idea we're going to do this. Um, yeah, soon. So if you imagine a horse that's in a window <laughs> looking out of a building <laughs> um, sometime within the next few days, probably in between now and our next episode, uh, we had a bunch of, we talked about this a little bit at the end of the previous episode, the uh, interlude episode we just had. Um, we had a bunch of extra conversation with Rose O'Keefe, who is the publisher and CEO of Eraserhead Press. Um, it was, there was a bunch of stuff we talked about after we kind of cut the interview down. And, um, she gave us permission to kind of run it on its own. So um, it might be something that we may have in the past put up like the booked bonus website, but we're just going to throw it up as kind of an extra episode um, directly on the podcast. Cause it's enough where it's like another, it's like a, it's own kind of interview and there's some really interesting stuff. We want to make sure as many people as possible get to listen to it. So keep an eye out for that in the next uh, couple of days, probably. Mr. Otten, do you have anything going on you'd like to talk about? Well, first, I'd like to thank you for making me the permanent co-host. I am coming back next week, I'm sure. Um, secondly, I would not be doing my authorial duties if I didn't plug Cypher Sisters. Um, and not for the stories. Fuck the stories. One of mine is, is in there, and it's shitty. Don't worry about it. Get it because Michael Gonzalez is an amazing designer. I mean, Rob, you have this book, right? Isn't it like one of the most amazing books you've ever looked at? It's so pretty. Um, it's in my hands right now. And, um, yeah, I Instagrammed a picture of it, like, the day it came in the mail. It's gorgeous. I mean, seriously, if anyone's read uh, In Search of a City, Los Angeles, A Thousand Words, which I know you guys have, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Gonzalez designed that, too. So, I mean, seriously, just buy these Thunderdome Press books just for his design because they are gorgeous. Hey, Rob, you own that book, right? Which one? Both of them. Uh, Cypher, so, yeah. Um, did you know that he was in it? Um, it sounded vaguely familiar, but now I'm <laughs> looking at the... I didn't read it. Um, I didn't read any of Cypher. Of course Sisters. you didn't. I know, I know. But it's looking like... I'm looking at it right now, and it's looking like it's at least a four-star story just by how many <laughs> paragraphs there wow. are. The name yeah. Darcy. There are paragraphs. Paragraphs are good. Uh, <laughs> the name Darcy shows up several times. That's looking good. And yeah, pretty picture of butterflies. Yeah, I could read the whole thing right now. You should put it in your quote section. Forget <laughs> Graveson. <laughs> Maybe I'll review it on our next episode, the one that you're not on. What? I thought I'm on all of them now. Speaking of the next episode, Rob, can I? Is it pretty safe to go with what we talked about beforehand? This is kind of a last minute addition to the to the roster. Yeah, we're gonna review. Um, 
The Cypher Sisters anthology. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure that's not it. Specifically, um, <laughs> specifically a story called You and Me. Anyway. It's, uh, so this popped up. It, it's very rare that I make such a quick like decision to, to want to review something. It's popped up in my Facebook feed uh, yesterday. And within like 30 seconds, Rob already had a message. I didn't even finish reading the synopsis. But Deadite Press, um, a subsidiary of Eraserhead, um, which is not why we're doing this, not just because we had Rose O'Keefe on and because she was awesome. But um, there is a book that just came out, and it is called 65 Stirrup Iron Road. It is a, a collaboration between nine authors that have all kicked in and written this story uh, that will benefit um, Tom Pickrelli, who we talked about on the show, who was uh, who had fallen ill earlier this year in a variety of places and presses and people he'd worked with kind of put together some some uh, uh, donation options. And this one um, includes, so this is a collaboration between these people, Brian Keene, Jack Ketchum, Edward Lee, J.F. Gonzalez, Brian Smith, Rath James White, Nate Southerd, Ryan Harding, and Shane McKenzie. Nine authors collaborating on one story that is gore and sex soaked from the Ooh. description. Man, it takes place in Gravesend, Brooklyn, New York. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, we've been uh, talking to the Deadite people for a while about reviewing one of their books. Um, so I'm glad we're getting a chance to to get that going. And um, anything that benefits Mr. Piccarilli, he went through some stuff. Thankfully, he kind of pulled through. Um, but yeah, I have to imagine that it's tough to recover from something like that. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, you know, of course, there's us doing our part. We didn't actually contribute anything. But we are going to review this free copy of a book that we got for <laughs> That's right. So, yikes. Um, We're going to be yeah. extra generous with those stars for this, uh, this next yep. book. They might get like 28 stars. <laughs> you hear that, Adam? 28 stars. I don't even have to read it. I just looked at the cover. Fucking a million stars for this book. It's an entire constellation. So the, the Goodreads, it goes, um, one star was, I didn't like it, two is, it was okay, three was, I liked it, four was, I really liked it, five was, like, I loved it, 28 stars is just, ah, yeah. I was That's how I feel about it. That was supposed to be a lot funnier than I guess you guys thought it was. I thought it was funny, I comment, I tagged it, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I said your head explodes in pure bliss. I thought it was hilarious. Here, Rob, this is just for you. Ha, 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 Man, you know that's going to be after the, the lead-out music, right? <laughs> it's like your Dom DeLuise moment. <laughs> See, you're getting the movie references in. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. I'm turning you over. I'm converting you. <laughs> um, we got anything else we need to talk about? I think we're pretty much wrapped up, right? I think we're pretty much wrapped up adam thank you for a for your excellent contributions in the uh, audition phase of this particular i don't even know it doesn't even have a name whatever it is that we just did and thank you for taking the time to read that book and uh, and share your uh, your opinions with us the the ones on the book the stuff on our podcast and whatever <laughs> what really yeah, I'm, sure, I'm, sure you pref- I'm sure you prefer me taped rather than live yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just thinking that, that, that you know, you said, oh, could I be on next week? And I was like, yeah, if this guy sends in some recorded stuff, we might throw it on the podcast. Who knows? You hear that, Papersley? I'm coming for your job. Wow. Yeah, he's been kind of absent a little bit. Do you remember what happened last time we had a, a, a contributor go absent for a long period of time? <laughs> I don't know. Last Corbier. Yeah, go check the About Us 
page. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not on there anymore. Have a look at the About Us page. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta throw in. You gotta contribute, or you're off the About Us page. Yep. Um, that I'm being sure, said, we sure love Miles Corbier, and of course, we don't want to say anything negative about him because he's a great guy who's no longer a part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that's gonna wrap it up for this uh, rambunctious episode of Booked, where we reviewed Gravesend, got a verbally abused, um, maybe regretted doing a, a contest. <laughs> but, no, but seriously, Adam, thank you so much for, for joining us. No, I mean, sit, now, now, just take it down a notch. Like, there isn't much in this world to which I look forward anymore, and you guys gave me a reason to live. And if that isn't a depressing note to go out on, I don't know what is. Until <laughs> next time. <laughs> Damn it. I'm Livia Snedden. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Adam Bubba Ba. <laughs> Keep reading. <laughs> It would help if I learned how to read. See, I read the early version. <laughs> Senate five. And someone synopsis. <laughs> he had just, someone uh, read the synopsis to this book and he just bullshitted a whole review. It's fucking genius. <laughs> See, that was my secret confession. Well, no, right, you know what on. he did? <laughs> he read the first chapter. That's why he was so excited about it. And then he didn't read anything else. <laughs> this, this is fucking great. I don't know what happens later on in the book. But... <laughs> <laughs> the first chapter was really powerful. The rest of the book was all right. Yeah. <laughs>